Welcome to the Greg Bennett Show, presented by Any Question. I'm your host, Greg Bennett, and I have just finished an absolutely delightful conversation with a very good mate of mine, Jan Fredino. Jan was very giving of his time at a time in his life when things haven't been going great for him. He, he's got a bit of an injury at the moment. He's having to, you know, had to pull out of the World Championship event uh, in early May here in St. George Ironman. But he was very giving of his time and we just had a really lovely conversation and we discussed everything obviously from his injury and the mindset that's had to go with um, dealing with that injury and building himself back up. We, we talk about, you know, his success in the sport and how that's affected his life, both the good and the bad. And we discuss what else does he want to really achieve in triathlon and I basically ask him, why is he still doing this? And so we have a lot of fun sort of dissecting his future and, and why he's still doing it and what he still hopes to achieve and so, so much more in this one. I think you're thoroughly going to enjoy it. If you want to ask Jan any follow-up questions, uh, I suggest to head over to Any Question. That's Any Question One Word. It's an app. You can download it on iOS or Android or you can go to anyquestion.com forward slash Jan Fredino. That's anyquestion.com forward slash Jan Fredino and grab the app from there. Um, and, and you can also listen to, he's got over 150 answers already on the platform and there's so so many more other great experts on the platform already um including athletes like caleb dressel and george hincapie in cycling and strength trainers some of the best strength trainers in the world but just so much content on there already i think go over and and check it out and remember success comes to those who endure just one moment longer All right. Today I'm joined by one of the greatest triathletes of all time. I've been fortunate enough to have him join me on the show several times. And in fact, the last time he was on was when we had all the Olympic gold medalists. And um, that was Simon Whitfield, Alistair Brownlee, Hamish Carter, and this man. And that was a very special episode just over a year ago. I know about a year ago right now. His gold medal, three Kona Ironman world titles, 270.3 world titles, Ironman world records, and fastest time ever in Kona are just all incredible achievements. But what impresses me most about him is he's constantly had this target on his back and just constantly been hunted by the world's best, but he's just kept that number one position on top of the world for almost a decade, which I just find amazing that he's been able to just keep defending as well as he has. And he's done it with such grace, humility. There's a, there's a strength and maturity about the way that he handles himself that I, I just think he's a, he's a class act. He's a good mate and I admire him greatly. So it's a real honor and privilege to have him join me once again on the Greg Bennett show. Jan Fredino, how are you, mate? Great. Good and you, mate. Thanks very much for having me uh, and, and, and passing all the laurels. Although I feel like your podcast is growing steadily. You know, soon I'm, I'm passing the accolades back. <laughs> no, no, no. You'll always be welcome forever. I enjoy our chats. And this episode, I felt kind of bad. I, I, I was like, hey, Jan, you want to come on the show? Like last night. I, I, quick, mate, please. And uh, you, you're actually doing me a huge favor because I know you're really busy and, and, and you've got a lot on. So I really appreciate well, it. You know me well enough that you can't plan with me three weeks out because I'll cancel 15 <laughs> times. It's just like, on the spot, I'm there or I'm not. <laughs> That's right. It's more like we, we, we wanted to catch up. We were texting each other the last couple of weeks and I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe we could record a conversation. And I kind of didn't want our whole conversation to always be recorded. I didn't want you to feel like that the only time we talk is when we hit the record button, but it is great that we get to share this conversation with everybody. Where are you at the moment? 
I am sitting at home in Girona. Um, yeah, just been uh, spending a lot of time up in the mountains. Uh, but, you know, of late, since I've been diagnosed with a partial tear of the Achilles tendon, mm. um, turns out, you know, all the medical good people are, well, here in Girona or in Barcelona. And, um, yeah, just been kind of trying to get on top of things in order to really get healthy and, and, and back into the swing of things. Mm. When we texted a few weeks ago, it sounded like when you got to announce to the world, look, <laughs> I'm dealing with this injury, there was almost an element that you, you felt like you were to the point of acceptance in the grieving phase. And I call it the grieving phase because when you are at the top of the world and you're, you're training to be win world titles and be the best, and then there is setbacks, there is like the grieving process and, you know, and it sounded to me that you were finally at the acceptance phase. What was that process like to getting to acceptance? Was it a bit of a journey? Well, acceptance was um, correlated with the fact that it was finally diagnosed. Mm. So I've been struggling since like mid-January uh, with, uh, with pain in the Achilles, my right Achilles, which, uh, you know, I've known because of my Olympic days, I pretty much spent the first 15 minutes of every single day uh, limping and looking like I'd been shot in the foot, um, which I think most of us know. Uh, then there was a stage that uh, there was an Australian Pilates teacher uh, who who discovered that I have glutes or may, helped me. <laughs> you don't have glutes. <laughs> uh, glutes. Activating those glutes helped tremendously yeah. in my performance in many ways, but it also helped in my injury freeness. And I've really been really been good for a long time, you know, had things and always little niggles and then crashing is a part of how I ride bikes. You know, I like to take risks and, and all those kind of things I accept. Um, but I really hadn't had Achilles troubles for a very long time, despite having a chronic tendinopathy, which is basically inflammation of the tendon. Mm. And all these things have really managed to not influence me for, for a long time. But, you know, memory comes back and you're like, okay, I can deal with this. I'm fortunate enough to have a physio who travels with me, you know, kind of things were helping a little bit. But then it came to a point that I was changing my stride too much to then start feeling some troubles in, in other parts of my body. And I was like, oh, this compensation is never a good thing. Mm. And pushing through pain, bad pain as it is, is one of the first recommendations any good coach will give you not to do. But, you know, routine. <laughs> we all do of, it. <laughs> well, we do. I'm not sure that I, I feel like the newer generation of athletes is very often smarter yeah, than us. Yeah, no, 100% they are. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm like a dog with a bone, you know. <laughs> just, just, just keep going. Yeah, yeah. Then we had a scan and all these things. It was misdiagnosed. Then it was falsely treated that cost me good six, seven weeks of expecting things to get better until I finally decided to get another MRI to be like, something is wrong here, nothing is working. And they finally found that it wasn't my tendon that was the actual problem. It was a tear in the crossover between the tendon and the muscle and the calf muscle. Gotcha, a little higher. Yeah, yeah. 20% of that tendon is gone and torn, so... That kind of explains why an hour was sort of the maximum I could train without too much pain. Of course, everybody you know was having a having a laugh. Why I'm skiing in 
in March, um, you know, when everybody's posting their sunny photos of where they're getting away. But the truth is that skiing obviously makes you extremely fit. And it was the one way that I could get in a run specific ish workout Mm. without too much pain because the impact simply wasn't feasible after, after a while. And, um, yeah, it was all thinking that, you know, I've just got a tendinopathy. I need to get through it. That was the trouble. And even sometimes you've got the best people in the world. Uh, we all, we all make mistakes and it was a, it was a costly one. You know, it's, um, so to get back to your question, which is a very long answer to a short question, but the thing is that that phase and having that diagnosis does give you a kind of peace mm. for one, you know, you're not just being soft and you need to get on with it. Um, the other thing is that it's a tear, you know, there is, there is no way you can go through it. It's in, in many ways for me, it's worse than a broken bone because a broken bone is, is actually quite a grateful injury. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's broken. You can't keep going. And you know, in six weeks you can be back yep. and you don't have to do any rehab and you don't have to do any of this kind of business, which you definitely have to do with a tendon, but a tear is kind of that point where I knew, okay, I have to stop. I kind of have to invest everything I have to get back in time for this season at all. Mm. Yeah. Really changed my mindset in terms of dealing with a proper injury rather than uh, a niggle that's just holding me back. Was that a similar injury to what Alistair Brownlee had a couple of years ago? Funny enough, Alistair actually reached out to me after this, which um, I, I, I didn't think I'd see the day, but um, I felt very grateful to receive a message. And he just said that he, he knows the area and that he's uh, been, been having some trouble with it uh, or over the years and, um, yeah, just wishing me all the best. And um, I don't know if that was the injury. Mm. Um, I know he had plenty of troubles, but, uh, yeah, it's obviously it's not an exclusive. You know, it's something I think a lot of endurance athletes have had to deal with. Yeah, something that's doesn't really have any magic potion to it. When you go through something like this, because, you know, you've achieved so much, you've really, you've ticked the box on nearly everything that an aspiring professional triathlete would ever want to achieve. Do you still go through phases of that kind of, I guess, anger and denial and all the phases of grief? Because I, I know for one that I, I did that a lot. But do you, or do you sort of just go, okay, just roll with it? I mean, what's your, what's your mindset like? my mindset has changed significantly during COVID. Mm. And that is because, well, for one, now it's become sort of, despite its harshness, it's become everybody's favorite excuse for everything, um, you know, kind of going wrong. But really what it's taught me is to expect very little. And I've had so much go wrong in two years. Um, And and please don't get me wrong. I know a lot of people have, but in terms of like your personal investment, you know, vying and, and, and putting your every being and your every cell into a goal such as Hawaii gets canceled. Hmm. You're super sad. The next time Hawaii comes around, you find yourself a little bit more cautious Hmm. as to how deep you're willing. It's almost like you've been, you've touched the electric fence and now you're like, (laughs) well, I don't want to get burnt again. Let me just be a little bit more cautious, you know? And it's just this, I believe it's actually a process in, in, in your subconscious where you just protect yourself. Yeah from, you know, kind of, yeah, something that um, is, is tricky to deal with. And then, you know, the events come around and then finally you have an event and you get ready and I was in super duper good shape. And then there's a freaking hurricane. 
like a hurricane. That's right. California last year. That's and I'm like, <laughs> how? How is this possible? But again, you know, it's something that in my mind has just taught me to be a little bit more cautious. Mm. And in this case too, I found myself just not quite as quite, quite as angry, not quite as such a deep, you know, sorrow, if you, if you can actually call it that, but rather a more analytical approach as to, okay, fine, there's a setback. What's the next step? What can we find as the next goal? Is that realistic? Let's hope so. Yeah. And the approach becomes a little bit more analytical despite still going through emotional patches and, and, and um, wanting to throw a few things in the wall. Yeah, because you're still going to go through those things because you're heavily invested. Even if you're being cautious, there's still a heavy investment to be able to achieve what you set yourself out and the, and the bar, the expectation bar that you set. Well, it's higher than basically anybody else in the world. There's a couple of other guys that might set a similar bar. And, and so there's always going to be a, fair, a fairness to the way that you kind of... I, don't, I guess what I'm trying to say is... It's been rough at times for you. You've had a lot of good things. There's always going to be a bit of a tricky response anytime you have to sort of pull back a little bit. Has your team been good in terms of redirecting your attention to a, a goal down the road? Or right now, is it don't even put goals on there, just get healthy? Uh, you know what? I, I am fortunate to have some great people around me and, and, and on my side. And there, there really isn't any doubt from anyone that we will come back. And we will figure this out and we will use this to fuel the hunger even more. If I'm honest and I've looked at my career, the times I functioned the best is from a spot of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that doubt uh, fuels my curiosity. And of course, if you look at triathlon training and triathlon performance, uh, curiosity really has no place. You know, it's, it's about repetition. It's about excellence. It's about the pursuit of a goal down to meticulous little details. But the curious one within you gets a little bit killed. You know, <laughs> the longer you suppress one of your inner emotions, I think the more it'll tend to come up at some stage. And really, you know, adversity is something that um, has always fueled me in that way. It's so funny when you, when you think about the clinical approach, you know, like you said, the dotting the I's, crossing the T's, you know the direction, but there is that curiosity. And I like how you put that, the, of peering over the edge where you haven't been before and trying something new or doing something a little different to see what's there. And then it's like, oh crap, what have I done? <laughs> well, I did that many times as you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I remember seeing you on, uh, on Duncan's massage table. Duncan, for the listeners, is, a, is our joint physio <laughs> back, in, back in Australia where we spend a fair bit of time and uh, seeing you walk out of there all destroyed with your legs bruised and battered from your recovery techniques that you you were using and you know that's um that's definitely um yeah the way the way the endurance world world tends to roll at times mm -hmm. well let, let's move on from your injury because i don't want to make this whole show about you you know with with your injury and i know you've got a good team i know you'll be back i know that these injuries do do happen and and uh, you've been here and been come back two times the man that you were before. And I think, I think we can see that's going to happen. I, get, I, I had these questions that I was going to ask on the Any Question platform and I decided I'm going to bring them over to the podcast because I thought this would be funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit erratic over there. <laughs> I'm, I'm on Any Questions and I try to punch through a few questions and then uh, I disappear again, but uh, that's, that's the oh, way no, of my... No, we're finding the experts that we have on the platform 
some are regular and do a little bit, a couple every day. Others like yourself and Caleb Dressel will come on and do 20 in a row uh, and then three weeks later do another 20. And I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do it. I think, um, you know, it's, you've done, I think I saw you've done 156 uh, questions you've answered on there and there's a lot of great content. Um, and you, you've been, you've, you're such an open book. It's unbelievable the amount of knowledge that you, you're willing to share. But I did have this one question and it's really about success because you, like we've talked about in this show already, you know, you've had a lot of success. How's it kind of affected your life, you know, good, bad, otherwise? Is, I mean, it's hard to say because you're not living, living a, a separate life to it, but has it all been good? Uh, nothing is only good and nothing is only bad. Uh, I'm a big, big believer in that. And, you know, the biggest thing I've come to realise of late is that, People view you from the outside very different to how you, how I view myself. You know this, and, and your friends know this, and that's the big difference. Is that you're, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fairly regular person. You know, I, I certainly have my ticks, and I may have a few things that drive me towards sporting, uh, pursuing sporting goals, and really, you know, allow my character to hone in on that. But of course you know, that comes with something, with an attention that you can't control. I think that's that's the biggest part of it. You can't choose when you get that attention and, and, and when not, especially in times like this, when things aren't going well, I tend to be very private and I tend to retrieve and, and, and go away. I, I don't have that choice anymore, mm. which, you know, is... Is, is, is absolutely something I, I've, I've told the story a few times, but my first signing session at uh, Frankfurt Marathon in 2005, I think. There were six people that showed up in an hour. <laughs> I've been there, done that, mate. <laughs> and, and that was your mum and dad. And <laughs> I, I almost felt ashamed at that time, you know, yeah. but more in a motivating sense is I really deeply craved that attention and, and wanted more of it. And, and it's really great to see how the sport has grown and how, how it's come. But, you know, being a family kind of guy and, and just enjoying, yeah, moments of, 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 being, of being silly, of being stupid, of doing some kind of, I don't know, something stupid with your mates if you want, you know. There is generally someone watching. And um, please, I'm not a soccer player. I'm not a football player or anything like that. I can't imagine what those guys go through. But, you know, in, in general, I have to th- say that's maybe the only flip side of the coin um, to what has been a fantastic journey that for most times I've absolutely loved and actually realized during the time that I love. You know, very often you realize that you love a journey after the fact. Yeah. I'm still loving the journey and that's why I'm still here. Well, I think, I think you, you're fortunate because you've had such a, a long journey too. I mean, you, you had your 100 plus races before winning the gold medal and then you've won the gold medal and you hadn't won any of that first hundred or maybe you'd won one. I don't think it was even one, which I love that story, by the way. I think that's really cool. And then, you know, and then you had that good solid four years following of trying to defend that gold medal and doing it well. And you did do a really great job in London. And then it was like, okay, I'm going to go to Ironman now. So bang, here comes John Fredino <laughs> out, of the, out of the gun. Your performances were just out of this world and, and, you know, to do what you've done in Kona since, well, for the last 10 years. I mean, we haven't had it for two years, but the, 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 all the years previous, it's like having such a long 
time of being successful gives you the opportunity to go, this is a great journey. You know, it's like, I think a lot of people get these moments, their their moments and like, damn it, I missed that moment. It was like, that was a great journey leading up to, like if you'd retired right after 08 Olympics, you'd probably be like, oh, I missed the journey maybe, you know. I think it's nice that you've had some longevity to be able to let it really sink in. Yeah, of course it helps, you know, having having a lot of time to actually see that. Um, quite honestly, if I, if I would have retired just after Beijing, I could have probably saved the four most painful live years of my life, <laughs> uh, simply not recognizing to myself that this journey should perhaps take another turn. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's hindsight and that's part of it. And I believe it's human nature. I don't believe that everything in life is happy and everything in life is great. And I do believe there is some kind of beauty in sorrow as well. And, and in sad times, because they make you reflect in, in many ways, you know, you, you look at the greatest music, they're pretty much, they're all sad songs. Um, that's the greatest music. I think in many ways that's been, that's been written. And it's part of human nature, you know, where you just see that, Yes, life is beautiful, but it's also temporary. You know, nothing is there forever. And that makes it so uniquely special because otherwise it just becomes abundant and then it becomes regular and then it's not as special anymore. So there is forever that balance, which is extremely difficult to strike. And, you know, it's, it's a cliche, but there is some truth to the highest highs and, you know, the, the highest mountains and the deepest valleys that definitely comes with it of, of times of extreme struggle and, and, and yeah, personal suffering, you know, which is relative. I, I, I know that suffering is always very relative, but in terms of hmm. those kind of performances, you see it with, with a lot of athletes and I wouldn't exclude myself from that list of having, you know, some truly challenging personal times that simply are a part of the journey. I, I love all of that. That was actually, that was really fantastic, all of that, because I think a lot of that really resonates where I'm at in my life too sometimes. And I, I feel like COVID for many was a little bit of a, a woke many people up to say life is special. We get, you know, any day you could die. I mean, we don't, we don't know when our time is going to be up. And, and when you have that, I don't look at that as being morbid. I look at it as that, as like, okay, what do you want to do? What, you know, what do you, what do you want to do? You get this. And, and I often say this, and I say it to Laura quite often in the mornings, I'll be like, all right, this could be our last day. So what do you want to do? And that doesn't mean being, you know, an idiot. <laughs> Although it's tempting sometimes. But yes, it, rooftop. Yeah, let's go. I'm, we're streaking. <laughs> what? <laughs> but, but it does. All of our naked. I've always wanted to do it. Let's go. <laughs> and, but there is that. There is that. If there is stuff you want to get done or, 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 you know, do it now. Or if you've, if you've got kids, be present with them now or whatever. And the, or if you want to achieve, do something big enjoy the journey because quite often the destination can be a bit of a letdown compared to the, the journey itself. If I think about my own personal career, I, I, I look back often with fondness at the training camps and the, the grittiness of being in Noosa in the back forests and doing epic workouts. And, and it's almost yeah. less about, yeah, it's nice to throw your hands up and get a win every now and then. I'm not going to lie. I, 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 like you, I don't mind the pats on the back a little bit and you know people yeah, thinking you're okay, but the great stories like you and I doing workouts and, and I don't know, for me, the reflection is completely different now that I've been ref- retired for five or six years. 
it's more about yeah. the mateships and the journeys and the experiences you had rather than the individual races. And that's the thing with every victory or with every, yeah, actually only with a victory, there comes a certain emptiness as well because you've reached a goal yeah. and that's done. Yeah. And you really need to redefine where to go from there. If you get second, it's very clear where you want to go, yeah. at, at least to most people. And redefining that, I think, is a, a question that many people had to ask in the last couple of years. And I agree 100% with you, you know, being aware of, of mortality um, should be something inspiring. I think we talked about it on, on, on our first podcast here, where one of my mottos is momentum mori. Mm. Remember that you will die. Love that. It's Love one that. of the stoic principles um, that I had the first time when, when a truck driver um, tried to take me out in Australia. You know, this is one of the stories where he, he intentionally tried to get after me. And Luca was just born, my first, uh, my first born. And you really realize, like, you know, you walk out the door and the last thing you want to do is be in an argument over who finished the milk. Like, seriously, <laughs> imagine that's the way you go. Yeah, I, know. I find it positive remembering that, that you may not be able to write another 800 emails. This may just be the one. Mm -hmm. So bloody well, say what you say, be kind yeah. and move on, you know, because it, it could... It could just simply be, as you say, the last one. And, that, and that's, that's a good thing because a certain finiteness to everything always makes it more special and, and, and more unique. I was actually on somebody else's podcast a while ago. We were having this same conversation and, and they're like, oh, no, I want to live forever. I'm like, do you, do you really, like, could you imagine I would get nothing done? I would be sitting in my bed. I'm probably still in bed, to be honest, and it's midday here as we record this. You know what I mean? It's like knowing that there's a timeline creates a sense yeah. of urgency. And I'm not saying you, every day you've got to go out and conquer the world by any means, but there is a little bit of like you get a certain amount of times around that sun and you don't even know when that time is up and that gets you really inspired. But l let's move on from that because I think we've done that one to death, but I, I think it's a great topic and you and I are on the same page. I move back to the world of triathlon a little bit. What else is there for you to achieve? What, what gets you excited now? What gets your juices flowing? It's quite simple in many ways. It's funny because Ed, our joint friend, Ed and I had this conversation and he pointed out, you know what, there is a simple motivation in just being good at something. Like, <laughs> as trivial as that is, yeah. but just being good at something is actually very satisfying and, and very motivating. But... I think it is definitely the finiteness that we just spoke of mm, mm. that really gets my juices flowing. And, and having a new training partner in, in Carl Smith, who I believe is genuinely going to be the future of the sport, whichever distance he chooses to take on from here, if I'm very honest, and having that youthful energy around, that kind of the ignorance, but in, in, in a positive way, the laissez-faire, the kind of, <laughs> yes. I'm just going to go out, buy a post stamp, lick it and send it. You know, that's his favorite motto. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's just go out and pretend like I'm 20 again and just bury myself and get home and just be absolutely satisfied. Like that deep satisfaction of having invested your all mentally and physically and realizing that's not going to happen forever is make, makes it all the more special and, and really gets me going. 
when I did retire, I think I was fairly prepared. I felt like I'd had my turn, as Laura, Laura always reminded me. We've, we've had our turn. We got to, we didn't achieve everything, but we got to probably achieve more than we could have ever thought we ever could. You know, it was like, we feel very privileged for it. But the one thing that I missed, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to say it anyway. I missed feeling a little bit valued. It's like you said, I was identified, I could do something really well. Well, good. Let's just call it good. And there was a sense of value that I was a part of something that I was contributing, whatever that might've meant. And then, so when, when, when that all kind of stopped, there was a bit of an emptiness and where do I find my value again? You know, and that, that's being, and like you mentioned, Ed Baker, our good friend, you know, it's one thing we always come back to is even who we employ now on the team at any question is just people like to feel valued. And I personally do and recognized and that's when, when, when you retire, that's kind of the one where you're like, oh, yeah, I missed that. Um, so anyway, that, personally, that's how I've sort of dealt with it myself. But, you know, do you ever ask yourself, you know, do you have these moments of why am I still doing this? And I only ask because I think in the 25 years that Laura and I have been together, or 22 years, I think I retired from sport about a dozen times <laughs> with her personally. Does that ever run through your head? Like, okay, I'm just done. Um. <laughs> You know, I recently heard the quote that um, an athlete dies twice. An athlete always dies twice. Uh, once when he finishes his career and because it's not a job, it's not a profession, although it is, it's, it's that much more because it, it is who you are and it's everything around you. And exactly like you say, you know, it's, it, what, it, it, it's your set of values and who who you interact with and, and what dictates your everyday life. And then, you know, the second time I'm obviously for real, ho- hopefully they don't coincide. Um, <laughs> no, which, no, no, which, um, you know, is, is also a possibility, but the point really is that I do ask myself that question for quite a while. I've asked that question as to why am I still doing this? Because, you know, the older you get, the more important it is to know why, like I just used to run after that Olympic medal I had in my head and it was just like, okay, let's go. 2008 is going to be my year. I'm not ready yet. I would love to go to 2004, uh, but there's, there's, there's no way. And, and you know, question, there's no question. There's no kind of process, but you know, we spend so many hours training and preparing and doing all sorts of things. And especially now having kids, like I do have to ask myself how I justify not taking them on a four hour epic mountain bike adventure and having a picnic on a Sunday, but rather sitting in a corner like a sip of water, useless and just reading a book and trying to recover. And it is very important to define that why for myself, not so much in a, you know, I'm looking for the sense in life or will I continue or not, but just to actually know that I'm still on the right path. And I feel that's something that's always driven me as an athlete is to not be overconfident. I, I never deeply inside myself was overly confident and said, all right, bring it on boys. Come on. I'm going to take each and all of you to school right now. You know, I was never that kind of Jordan character. That's like, just don't bring your A game. Just bring any game. I'll take care of the rest. That's, that's not who I am. Uh, and, and questioning it is something that's always made me look for that extra little, percentage, that extra little detail that perhaps otherwise I would admit. And that doesn't mean I'm questioning the overall process. I'm just generally always checking in 
of whether I think I've done enough. I had Javier Gomez on and he blurted out, yeah, I'm just not a confident guy. And I'm like, you know, he's a nine-time world champion, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but I'm not confident. And I I would say someone like yourself, you come across as very confident. Like, I got this. You you come across, but inside, uh, are the little duck feet going at a million miles an hour? Is there that kind of anxiety or, you know, let's lean in on this a little bit more, your confidence, because I think that's an interesting one. Because you, you, on all the people I would have said I've had on the, on the show, well, maybe other than Sam Long, have this kind of ex- exterior sense of confidence. That's what I would have said. Uh, it always, that's what it looked like to me. Yeah, but I, I, I do get a certain confidence through everything that I do. And yes, I do have the questions, but they're definitely part of something for me that I know um, makes me still care so deeply, you know, because mm-hmm. I know if I'm, if I don't have the doubts um, that comes back to also, you know, having that little bit of uncertainty to drive the curiosity. And I think it's just my way of dealing with the overall way, but do I go to the start line firmly believing that whoever else is on that start line, <laughs> I will beat that day. Yes, I do hundred percent. But the way to get there is always a question and answer game within, within my head. And, um, sometimes I do it better. Sometimes I do it worse, but there's definitely, um, a lot of something going on and it's probably something that's always driven me to actually find sporting excellence is perhaps, during my earlier years, even even finding my self-confidence through performance and excellence, it's definitely always been something that's that's made me up, but, you know, something I've obviously learned to deal with over the years. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting conversation, the confidence that you get from sport and then how it affects you as a human being outside of sport. You, you do, you get enough pats on the back. You go, well, maybe I am an all right guy, you know, and, the, and then it helps you expand into, into different areas. I think there's also that sort of trying to get to know yourself when you're not an athlete anymore. And that, that took me a little bit. I mean, I, you and I, you know, I got to retire when I was about 43, 44 and, and, and you're getting up there, but it's kind of like you probably are more comfortable in your own skin now as a, as a person, not just as an athlete, you know, you've grown over time to get to know yourself. Is that a concern at all? Like who is Jan Fredino, the non-triathlete? No, it's funny. I I would agree with you that kind of sport definitely, um, changes your outlook. And as a person, um, I think that's what gives me strength as an athlete, athlete, that as a person, I know I'm okay. Uh, I don't have to please everybody. I certainly never will. And rubbing shoulders with person with, with somebody is is actually a good thing. Yeah. I care that my kids love me, <laughs> and my wife, and, and and my dog, and you know what? Everything else is kind of it's an extra. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. You get new people, but that's something that I definitely get confidence from outside of sport. Of yeah. course, the idea of retiring and and and, and facing the music uh, at, at some stage is going to be. Yeah, it's tricky for everyone. As an athlete, you don't get to be an athlete until you're 75 or whatever. We know there's a timeline, and it, but but you you milk and you're grateful for 
having the opportunity and, and I think you're doing that 100% and I think that's fantastic. Is there anything, not talking retirement, but just more outside of triathlon that you'd love to be involved in more? I think we've spoken about investing and, and those kinds of things. Is that something you're interested in or is there anything that you kind of gets your juices flowing as much as triathlon did even? Oh, as much as triathlon is, is yeah. going to be yeah. one, yeah. You know, but um, there, are, there are definitely a few things and projects and yeah, definitely businesses that I'm involved in that I'm really looking forward to being able to dive into and, and dedicate more time to, you know, it's, um, you know, our, our business with, uh, with Ryzen and the sports clothing that mm. we do is, has grown into a beautiful company of 50 people, um, you know, since we started with five and, you know, you look at what they're doing and it's become so automated that I'm, I'm certainly not part of the process, but you're like, oh man, I, I really like that, you know, and I had nothing to do with it at all. <laughs> but it's, um, it's something I look forward to, to experiencing more and, and having my, my finger a little bit closer on the pulse. That's if they want me, <laughs> probably, everybody's probably like, oh my God. Thank goodness he's racing. Just send him out for a run. We'll do our thing and make sure this no, thing keeps not, going. Not at all. I, I'll actually dive in here because it's even – there's an athlete mindset to champion athletes that resonates in a business. And, in fact, the way we're employing people at any question is – people that have that athlete mindset that like we talked about earlier that understand the journey they understand the roller coaster they actually get excited on the downtimes it's like okay we can reinvent ourselves it's okay there's a definite the the consistency mindset that you learn as being an athlete just keep showing up don't expect victories don't get too high on the highs because guess what there's around the corner something's gonna and so it's like there's this uh there's this mental aptitude that great athletes you, you ha- my point is I'm, I'm kind of fluffing you here a little bit, aren't I? But it's basically there's kind of this idea that athletes really do bring something to a table in any corporation that it's hard to learn unless you've been through sport and been beaten up and gone through the highs and lows of sport that you can then bring to the business world. And, and I, for one, you know, in our team is kind of like, okay, we employ, let's employ athletes. So we'll have a conversation after this show, mate, and I'll get your contract ready. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, right. but there is that kind of a mindset, huh? So I think if you there is, but it's always, it's, it's like anything, you know, you need to be able to transfer that and to be able to take oh, that oh, no, of course. to a yeah. different world. Um, and that you will only be able to do if you discover yourself passionate on the project. Yes. And if you're passionate for two or three weeks, that's the great time. It's like, oh, everything's rosy, everything's new. And then you're kind of like, oh, yeah, oh, you know. And to find that and to face the reality of that, I think will be an entirely different thing. So um, I think it's really cool what you've done and that you've honed in on this kind of thing and even – your podcast, like when you started it and I was like, you know, because at, at, for a while there, everybody had a podcast, you know, <laughs> how many of them have faded out? And simply because I think people lose their curiosity, lose their enthusiasm and yeah, the, the you know, the kind of the, the interest that needs to be shown in any project. But you're a hundred percent, you're a hundred percent right with the podcast is actually a really good example because I, I had no clue what I was doing when I was starting it out. I remember texting you before going, Hey, would you come on my show? If I, if I do a podcast and I, I think I wrote you and Simon Whitfield and Mark Allen and a couple of, you know, the big names in the sport of triathlon. And you all said, yeah, okay. And so I, I recorded a, a dozen or so, and then we launched and then I said to Laura, I said, right, I'm doing 100 episodes no matter what. And after 100, we'll, we'll figure it out. That's, 
two years, two years. But as that athlete mindset, it was like, right, you know, I'm turning up every week and it's been tough. So there's been some weeks it's like, ah, crap, you know, I I need somebody on the show. And, and, and other weeks was just like, I'm tired or I'm sick. I've been sick several times. I've had COVID. I've had COVID twice and I've had to try and, you know, but that athlete mindset is keep showing up. And now yeah. I'm 125 episodes in, you know, I've, 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 I've made, a, made a lot of great contacts and it's been a really, and now I look back and I go, the podcast allowed me to get through the COVID era, if you want to call it, the last couple of years with the world lockdown with a great adult conversation every single week. And, yeah. and how grateful am I to be able to have that opportunity to talk to just great people like we're doing today. And yes, I, I, I don't want to always take for granted my friendships and say, hey, yeah, let's always record a, a conversation every time we talk. But I also know by having a podcast, you're more likely to spend 45 minutes to an hour to chat with me. Whereas if I didn't have a podcast, you'd be like, ah, well, pencil in on the calendar somewhere and it's a bit harder to get. So I've actually been very fortunate. The podcast has been a bit of a help just nail down people. Um, so. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, you always got to have the energy and, and, and the, the mindset as well. When you go on a podcast, like I'm, for one, I'm like I was saying earlier, like when I'm not in a good space, yeah. I can't tell you how great the sun is shining out my backside yeah. because guess what? It's not. And I'm, I'm really bad at that. Yeah, me too. And, you know, you need to have the, you need to be in the right um, space to, to open up as well. So yeah. it's, a, it's a good ritual to have, that's for sure. Just a quick mini break to remind you to go check out any question. That's any question on iOS or Android, or you can go to anyquestion.com forward slash yarnfredino. That's anyquestion.com forward slash yarnfredino. Cheers. Hey, let's go through a couple of these um, questions that you answered on, on, on any question. And the first one is like, it's who will be successful in Kona? Now, I know we've got St. George coming up. Well, this show airs on Monday and, and uh, St. George is the following weekend. But I actually want to just c- reflect back to who will be successful in Kona. Your answer was Gustav Eden. You answered that back about six months ago. Is it still the same or what are your thoughts? In Kona, really? Um should have said me. <laughs> I think yeah. I think the question was titled other than you. The next there was like the next generation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, for all for all the slack I've, I've I've sort of given, especially Christian, you know, he, he is the guy that has definitely produced the most phenomenal season ever. Oh. Um, there's there's no doubt about his um, his season last year um, being the standout one. Um, so you can't come count him out. For listeners that don't know Christian Blumenfeld's year last year, Olympic gold, ran away from the field with a kilometre to go. World, world triathlon series title, uh, also winning the grand final in the process. And, and then his debut Ironman in, in Cozumel, Mexico, where he went, I know the swim was shy, 10 to 15 minutes or whatever, but he did go in the 720s. I can't remember the exact yeah. time. So anyway, go on, mate. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was, it was absolutely phenomenal without a doubt. It was actually really, really amazing to see because I think even the, the world championship double with the Olympic gold, don't get me wrong, after Olympic gold, I believe there's not much else that, that counts. And Gustav definitely being a long course 
absolute racehorse. I think these guys really will raise the bar and have raised the bar to the point that I'm actually excited to see where this can go. If I can still, you know, uh, keep up and, and, and beat them. That's really also part of the reason why I'm still here because somebody's actually really walking the walk and not just saying they're going to do this or doing this. You know how I struggle with the kind of Instagram and social media. The the YouTube guys that are saying they're the greatest. Uh, Yeah. They got a production crew around them. It's like, just do stop talking. Exactly. And, and, and especially stop talking about, I'm going to stop talking. (laughs) That's that's, that's even worse when you say you're going to stop talking, but you're still saying it. Anyways, um, that's another story. Um, Those guys are legitimate, uh, legitimate killers. And, um, and that's, that's very, very exciting to see. I have mentioned Carl Smith and it's really been engaging, fun, motivating, very respectful, uh, in terms of uh, the respect it's giving me in terms of what's going to be necessary as an athlete, witnessing him train and turn into the athlete that he's become over the last few months. Yeah. So they probably be my, my three, my three candidates, um, that I've got on my shortlist. And so Kyle being a training partner of yours, how does that look when you go into like a Kona Ironman world championship, you're fit, he's fit. I mean, is it just best man for themselves? Uh, is there any team tactics that you guys can use to try and, cause it's almost if you've got Gustav and Christian are best mates and they're training together, we could all, it could be a bit of fun here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing is we share similar qualities, you know, we don't really have uh, a weakness in either of the discipline. He's just, um, He's got a few more watts than me on the bike, that's for sure. But, you know, it could, of course, uh, you know, if it, if it plays out, uh, we, we would definitely work together. It is last man standing and we will uh, hopefully have an epic boxing match between the two of us. <laughs> I but I also believe we need to have that boxing match day in, day out for the months leading in, in order to actually, yeah, step up to the plate in, in, in the best possible shape, yeah. which is what's going to be necessary. That's awesome. Okay, next question that you're probably going to be like, oh, Greg, please don't do bring that one up. <laughs> Sam Long, the next Jan Fredino, and your response no. on that was quite hilarious. <laughs> now, I've had, I've had Sam on the show, and yeah, we actually got to sit together in person, and I just love the guy, actually. Just a really genuine, great person. I think he fluffs it all up a little bit for Instagram and YouTube and does, you know, and, and, but, you know, he, he walked up to the house and came in and gave me a T-shirt and said, you know, it was just a really lovely young man. Of himself? Man. He gave you a T-shirt of himself? Well, not of his, well, his yo-yo-yo T-shirts. He has, uh-huh. he has merch that he gives out. Um, yeah, yeah, it was way too small for me. I don't know what size you thought I was. I certainly, <laughs> I, I look like I could be on a float at the Mardi Gras with the shirt he gave me. It was so tight. I did look pretty great <laughs> on it, but he, he absolutely, I think he loves to throw the bombs out. Like, you know, Jan Fredino, Jan Fredino, Jan Fredino, but there's definitely a deep admiration and respect there that I don't know that you get to see with the way he delivers his message to the social media world. Do you, do you, re- do you realize that, that he's actually looks at you as this like, wow. <laughs> I'll be very honest. I had a, a, a good chat with him in, um, uh, at the Collins cup yeah. and enjoyed meeting the guy, enjoyed meeting him to the point 
that I had to unfollow him on social media because mm. he is such a genuine character and I did enjoy talking. I don't enjoy his Americanness uh, in that sense, you know, that kind of beating up the chest and rah, 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 rah. And I, I don't fall for it because it's great for, for the show and I think he brings personality and, and adds the vibe. Um, I actually totally respect him for that. And I'm pretty sure I answered that. I hope he finds his own way and he's the first Sam Long and not the, the next Ian Fredino. And I mean that. I, I, I would agree with you. He is actually a nice kid. Mm. Just the noise is, is not for me. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think I agree with you. I think he's great for the sport. He adds a bit of personality and um, he's, having, he's definitely just having fun. He's really, he really is having fun. I think he's just having a good time. And it, it, it's, it's kind of refreshing to have those kind of personalities come in. Another, another question that you, you answered and, and I, I liked it was... Uh, what do you think about when someone who is, you know, drafting you, what is your reaction in a race when it's drafting you? And you said, oh, I'm not always politically correct. What do you mean by, <laughs> what do you mean by that? Are you abusing people or what's happening out there? Well, I, I'm a different personality when I race. I definitely, um, yeah, I've had a few moments uh, where even to friends uh, and, and even like officials afterwards, I've gone and apologized for my brashness just because, I generally like when the gun goes, I'm, I'm a different person. I try to maintain my poker face and, you know, adhere to the code of conduct, but, um, there are a lot of curse words going around my head and um, I, I've really learned to channel anger and use anger for myself. And yeah, that can definitely come out at times where I'm, yeah, not not the politest of people. No, I, I, I think I actually think, you know, after having Dan Lorang, your coach, on a couple of times and he kind of mentioned, you know, of all the science and data and everything else they've collected off you, he was a little underwhelmed, to be honest, you know. And when you think about what makes you the champion that you are, this is where the the, the chemistry of the brain and the science of the mental and emotional Jan Fredino becomes fascinating to me uh, more than the physical because from what we from what I interpreted from from Dan Lorang is look physically yeah he's okay but what he, what you're able to achieve on the race course there's something special going on there so I don't think you should fight it too much <laughs> I think it's nice that you're able to channel it whatever you've got because it seems to be working um, and I think that's pretty cool yeah it's, it's alright it's exactly what you say you know every single year that I went to the general checkup at the national team you know you, once a year you have to go and do that checkup and, and I'd get a long list genuinely a list of things stating why I should not be a professional athlete and it was funny because just today on a bike ride, I was talking to Kyle about, um, about blood types. And, and I don't know if you remember, there was a blood type diet, eat right for your type or something like that. Eat right for your blood type. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Something like that. That was the first encounter where I had this guy, educated kind of medical expert who said I shouldn't be an athlete because of my blood type. I'm a positive and A positives tend to break down and, um, you know, just be all, all, then <laughs> they're not prone to professional sports. And, and Kyle said it quite nicely. It's actually, you were meant to be an astronaut. Imagine what you would have done if you were an astronaut. <laughs> yeah, you say, follow your gift, mate. You're missing it. You're missing it. I, I should have. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have kept fighting it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, it's just, 
you know, you, you got to go with a gift of, that, that you've got. And, you know, I think my one sporting goal, which a sporting actually excellent thing, is that I tend to recover faster than most. Mm. I generally put a nail in the coffin and wake up the next day and hit it again. Uh, that's what's been my strength over the years, right? That's huge. My threshold is underwhelming. Mm. It genuinely, it is underwhelming. And when I go out and I swim at the pool, Vincent, Vincent Louis is my neighbor. Like I almost, I'm like, I look at this guy and he just punches out these reps, like, you know, in that beautiful, oh, yeah. you can only describe it as French. You know, he's like, he's going so hard and he looks elegant. Everything about sport. Vincent is French. He's a good looking guy. He's just, yeah, the way he moves, everything about him is very French. And I would say that makes you actually quite German. You, you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely, like, I get in there and when I start working hard, I'm sure there's, you know, that elegance, it, it, it's nothing like him. He just looks like he's floating through the water, punching out times that I could only dream of. And that's his gift. Yeah. That's what he does. Yeah. That's what he's excellent at. And you really need to go and, and, and everybody needs to find that for themselves, I believe, to really excel because very few of us have the exact skill set that would theoretically be described Mm-hmm. To be excellent at something. To be perfect. It's like you might have a few little things. I, my chiropractor, I don't know if you've met Alex Keith down here in Florida. He's been my chiropractor since 04 and I travel a lot with him. He, from almost day one, he would call me the bumblebee because he couldn't figure out how I could do what I could do, right? It was like, you know, bumblebees, they can't figure out physics, whatever, they can't fly or whatever. And I always took that as a little, it was always done in jest and a bit of comedy, but I'm always like, Okay, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna prove you wrong. Screw yeah. <laughs> He's like, I don't. My ankles don't move. I have zero ankle flexibility. I have da la la. Yeah. And you go through every joint and piece of my body, and it's like, all right. Well, I must have something. I must have something. I do love the sport. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But yeah, that's a good starting point. Actually, it's a very good starting point. It's interesting to break down what makes a champion, and obviously you are. So <laughs> to dissect you is a good place for the rest of us to kind of figure out. And I love the fact that when Dan came on, he's like, "Yeah, it's kind of underwhelming." <laughs> I was like, you know, his numbers. I just think it's great, and that's why yeah. I think it's good you don't even share them. So then people are just like always wondering. Yeah, I mean that's that's part of the process, but no, like and. and and also the belief, you know, I, I, I genuinely, I, I just know it, it works different, you know, and I, I think that individuality has to have some kind of room. And that's why you can write as many books as you want about what makes a champion, what makes this, uh, again, to go back to Ed, he was telling the story about Mark Zuckerberg going to visit Bill Gates and Elon Musk and trying, I hope, I, I hope I'm not out of line uh, sharing the story that he shared with me in, in private. Basically, Mark Zuckerberg went around interviewing Elon and interviewing Bill Gates and trying to find out what they have in common. And apparently he came back and told them, I don't know what they have in common. I haven't found it yet. But at one point in time, everybody thought they were crazy. Mm-hmm. And the point I'm trying to make is that everybody needs to find their own way. Mm-hmm. And that's why you can read these stories about a champion's mindset and all these Mm. things. And you can pick and choose the cherry and the grape and whatever you want to find out what works for you. But there is no manual as to how to be the next guy. Otherwise it wouldn't be that hard to figure out. And isn't that awesome? I love that sports science can't figure it out. I love that neuroscience can't figure it out. I love that. I love that it's open. Like that this is 
We're yeah. all incredibly unique. No much as, as science has improved out of this world, the advancements, but they still can't figure what makes us all so unique and what is a, a champion and what creates this and that. I think it's fantastic. I, one of the things, I don't want sports science to get to the point that we can't find it the next, that Jan Fredino wouldn't have even had a door open if we allow sports science to get in the way of kids being able to just find what they're passionate about. Do you know what I mean? Because they can't measure passion. Passion's a hard one. Um, so fascinating, mate. I've kept you a long time, but I, I got one question I want to finish off on and, and that's just talking about your time in the sport. You know, you've been in it 20, 25 years. How have you seen it sort of change and, and, and evolve over that, uh, that time period? And has it been all good? Is there things that you miss? I came into the sport in, in, in 2000. That's when I did my first triathlon in a pair of, uh, of uh, speedos, budgies and mugglers, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> <laughs> Dick stickers in Australia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of uh, like that should be restricted to a pool only. And I did, the whole, I did a whole triathlon in them because that's what I'd seen on TV. That's what we did, mate, through the 90s and 80s. Right. Yeah, of course. Exactly. That's exactly. I was probably watching videos of you back yeah. then. You, <laughs> you were already uh, kicking butt on a worldwide stage. I fell in love with the sport because of the familiar attitude and how there were people pulling up in a car park and they loved this strange combination of swim bike run that really is, you know, the three basic sports that pretty much almost, well, in, in, in the Western world anyways, most people actually can do. Mm -hmm. I mean, most people can swim to a certain degree, ride a bike or run. So it's not quite that strange, but to put it together, just kind of attracted this eclectic bunch of people. I think the beauty of all the noise that's changed around is that it still does. Mm. If you go to Hawaii, which I really hope we get to this year, we're all still a bunch of strange people oh, yeah. who are absolutely disproportionately passionate about a sport that brings us together from all over the world. And yes, your perspective changes and mine has completely changed over the years. But that's still the beauty of triathlon. It's somehow innocent where people have an instant connection, feel the ability to share their war stories and have that connection of all being out on the same day and having a very, very different individual journey mm. um, and, and seeing very, very different things on a course that's essentially the same. And I think that's something in triathlon that I, that I really cherish and that is the essence perhaps of the sport that I believe hasn't really changed all that much, despite that we now all track our sleep and track this. And <laughs> no, track not all and, of us, not all of us. <laughs> and there's an app for this. And that's great because it, you know, it, it, I, the value I see in all of it is, is that it causes, causes engagement. It causes people to be able to spend time on themselves. And I think that's, you know, to a certain degree, a very healthy thing and, um, something I love about the sport. What a great answer, mate. That's awesome. And it's like even just you telling, expressing your stories, I'm kind of seeing my, how the sport in my own eyes with the, you know, the, the pictures that you were just painting this there. And I just, 
There is. There's a special culture amongst all mad triathletes that I, I genuinely love. Um, but, mate, this has been fantastic. What ne- what's next for you then? Just uh, rehab and, and getting yourself back to neutral? Yeah, pretty much. Um, the good thing is throughout all of this I'm allowed to swim and, and ride pretty much uh, oh. as much as I want to you know, still taking care in terms of intensity and all this kind of thing, but I'm able to, and I'm able to tick over, um, which is good because it has two positive effects. The one is I can actually still keep sanity, mm-hmm. which, you know, um, sport definitely helps with that. The other thing is I can do my second favorite thing, which is eat food. Lots of it. Still. <laughs> so you know, that contributes a lot to happiness, but in reality, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a lot of rehab, spending a lot of time and uh, gyms, clinics, those kind of things. And yeah, really hoping that I can do one of the big German races okay. in the summer. Yep. That is with a big asterisk, but you know, it never hurts to hope. Yeah. It's good to hope, but you don't want to put pressure on yourself either. It's nice to just clear the slate sometimes and just be like, okay, yeah, just, just, just get, just get healthy here. Well, mate, I'm wishing you all the best in, in your recovery and just getting back to, to a place where you can perform at your best, you know, because it'd be so great to see you out in Hawaii and just give one of your performances that we know you can do. You know, I feel like we've been on pause for so many years. It's, it's kind of like, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Come on. I'm also like, come on, man. I know. You see the odd comment and it's like, oh, no, don't worry. He's retired. He's just fading out. And I'm like, oh, oh really? my God. No. You are no. dagger in my heart right here. If I could come through the screen, I would come. No. Answer <laughs> to you. But. I love the fact that just, you know, it's like last year, you, you – you didn't ever lie down. You went and created your own event, the the Tri Battle Battle Royale, and and that was awesome. And then you got to the Collins Cup and you laid down. In, everyone forgets, by the way, that you beat Gustav Eden in that, and that you did have the fastest time overall again at, at, at the Collins Cup. He looked better when he finished. So. Oh well, yeah, of course. Uh, but but it's just kind of like you, you've been doing a lot. I think that first race in uh, back. Remember, nobody'd raced for a while with Miami. I think I would it was call Miami. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a couple of challenges. And, and Liner was calling you out, and it's just like you know, you went and won that by three minutes or whatever, and it was like. Anyway, I, I think you've handled yourself really well these last couple of years, um, and I really do wish you all the best for the future. And, and I appreciate you coming on, buddy. It's always good to have a chat. Thanks, mate. I really, really appreciate it. And um, yeah, yeah for having me and. Having the time. Cool. Well, everybody, if you want to um, check out the show notes and timestamps and everything, you can go to bennettendurance.com forward slash media. You can also find Jan. He's on any question. You can get anyquestion.com forward slash Jan Fadino. Anyway, mate, that was awesome. Cheers. Absolutely. Take it easy. Thanks a lot for listening. If you enjoyed the show, your support would truly be appreciated. You can visit the Patreon page or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Don't miss the next episode, so subscribe and be notified. For show notes, if you want to know more, please visit bennettendurance.com. I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope you will join Greg again very soon.